Hey everybody, I'm Michael Carboni, and you're listening to episode 12 of Chasing Kangaroos, the podcast for rugby league fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Hey guys, welcome to episode 12, and welcome back to Jake Watson. I usually call you the first mate, but this week I'm calling you the Oracle. You got all your tips right last week. <laughs> yeah, I've, tried to, I've tipped four from four. I'm trying to get you guys to listen. You've got to stop listening to Charlie, mate. He's a bad influence. So who were your tips? Just run through it with me again. Who who did you tip last week? So yeah. I tipped the Aboriginal team to win. Yep, you got uh, that. In the men's game. I yep. tipped the Maori team to win in the women's game. You got that. It's a bit tighter than I expected, but they still won. Tipped the Roosters. I don't, I'm not going to claim any glory on that one. And I also tipped a while back, I tipped Jamaica to beat USA. Okay, so I'm gonna, from now on, I promise you, I'm only going to ask you for tips. <laughs> You're going to be the official tipster of the show, but I'm not going to listen to you when we're talking about players to watch because uh, your player to watch for the Roosters last week was Lachlan Lamb. And, uh, mate, he didn't even play. He didn't play. <laughs> so good tip start, but uh, that's about it. So <laughs> I deserve that. Mate, we've got a huge episode um, for tonight. There seriously could have been five or six topics. Um And we've got a few good golden points that could have been topics as well. We're going to do golden points a little bit differently this week. Um, But also, right at the end, our regular listeners will know that normally if they listen right to the end after the theme music, there's a little blooper. Uh, This week there's going to be something different, something very special planned. Can you tell us about it? Uh, Let's. I'll tell you in the golden points if you uh, can be. Yeah, have some patience. There's going to be some wasted recordings because they're usually good for a blooper or two. Yeah, well, we'll maybe we'll save them for (laughs) for the Christmas special. (laughs) Let's get into topic number one, Jake. So, Jake, we had the All Stars game between the Indigenous and the Maoris last Friday, and they finally found the right mix for this game by bringing together these two cultures. So the respect and the intensity from both sides has me convinced that this is a worthy season opener and showcase for the NRL. Mate, let's talk about both matches. So the women's match, the Maori team won eight points to four in a close one. And for the men's, the Indigenous side took that out 34 to 14. Well, we'll start with the women's cups because they were the first game. Yep. We all predicted a blowout by the Maori side. It was actually complete opposite. Very tight game. And we expected the Indigenous Guys, to uh, the, sorry, the men's match to be a close one, to, and yeah, that was that was opposite as well. So. What, what do you think about the women's game? Oh, it was a good game. It was entertaining, which I think all the women's games are. I don't know if you've watched many women's games in the past, but they're always entertaining. There's always some good hits in there, some good skill. Very women, very ad lib as well. Yeah, um, really, really cool to watch. Who was your favourite? Um, I think the obvious standout was Crystal Froda. She's just a class above the rest of them. I feel like she's just she scored the match winner. But she was around all game. She's just doing the best all game. What about for you? Yeah, she was fantastic. Um, I want to I want to mention someone, oh, one of the women from the Indigenous side. So Shakaya Tungai, she was on the wing there. Uh, she's a St George player in the WNRL. Uh, so I might be a little bit biased, but I thought her <laughs> attack was fantastic. Some of her defence was on the line was good. She did make a couple of mistakes early, but I think um, she was just really exciting to watch. And I think the women's game. Uh, overall, it was fantastic. Yeah, man. definitely success. What about the boys? Boys was great to watch. How good was it just to have some NRL stars back watching watching football with NRL stars running around? One hundred percent. And that 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 Indigenous side, that backline. I should have listened to you last week. That is like a world class backline. If you have a look at it, if you break it down, it's actually the New South Wales backline. Yeah, Josh Adokar. Josh Adokar, Latrell Mitchell. James Roberts, yep. and you have Blake Ferguson, who he's probably not going to be picked this year, but he has been in the past. 
Mez in New South Wales backline. Star-studded backline. Even some of the forwards. David Fafita, 18 years old. Absolute weapon. Yeah, he's quick, is he? He's going places, that guy. Man, what do you think about... So, obviously, this, this score blew out a little more than we expected. Uh, I, I thought the Maori, were, Maori side were going to be a little bit closer. I actually thought they were going to win, but I was very wrong, obviously, as you can tell by the scoreline. <laughs> do you think it would have been different if uh, Ponga didn't get injured early on? He didn't play much of that game. Came back on in the second half. But I just think he wasn't his usual self. Uh, probably a little bit worried that, you know, he spent some time on the sideline last year. Probably doesn't want to be doing that again this year, obviously. Do you think it could have been different had, had Ponga played most of the game? I think, look, he's a talented player. The thing is, I think the way the Aboriginal team played, and Laurie Daly actually said it in one of the interviews he did, he knew they couldn't win the game up the middle. So his game plan was to take the game out wide where they, were strength, where they had their strengths. So honestly, even if he played more, I still think the Aboriginal team runs away with it. They certainly played on the edges. Josh Adokar two magnificent tries. Blake Ferguson scored one on the other side. And what about that awkward backflip celebration? <laughs> I'm sure Brad Arthur would have been, like, really angry about that. <laughs> Mate, I, I remember seeing, growing up, seeing Nathan Blacklock and Anthony Mundine doing stuff like that. But uh, you'd rate their, their flips nines out of ten. Blake Ferguson, I don't know. Maybe but look, three or four, I can't but... talk. I can't even do a, a forward <laughs> somersault. So It was entertaining, at least. <laughs> Mate, what do you, speaking of entertaining, what do you think about the pre-game stuff? So the Harker and the Aboriginal War Dance. Both great to see. Like They're just so intense. I love the way that the players respect each other but still walk forward and advance each other. But yeah. there's that line of respect. They don't cross. And then after, when the, when the Aboriginal team had finished their war cry, they all stood eye to eye and it was... It really gets you in the mood for a bit of footy. It was incredible. And I tell you what, I would, if you put those sides together before, like on, on a field, brought in the Tongans, the Fijians, the Samoans, and I would pay to watch just all the war dances. All the war and dances. <laughs> like, I'll go home after that. Don't worry about it if there's a game afterwards. Like, that is, for me, no doubt, the best thing about International Rugby League. No other sport does it like we do. And if you had to pick one, which one was better? Uh, look, I think. Good on the Indigenous guys, but that was their first time. Like, they yeah. sort of, this is a made-up war dance for the purposes of this rugby league game, but the Harker's the Harker, man. You can't beat it. Can't beat and, uh, look, I'm sure it'll get better and better with each with each season. Mate, that, I guess that brings me to the, the next question, um, the national anthem. So there's been a little bit of controversy, and I don't want to get too political here, but there's been a little bit of controversy this week. A few of the um, Indigenous boys uh, did not sing the national anthem. Like, it was very visible. Um, and after the match, Captain Cody Walker said that it does not, or he's quoted to say that the, the anthem does not represent him. Um, mate, without being too political, does what do you think? Look, I, I, as you said, it's political. I don't want to get too far into it. But, um, like, I can kind of see where they're coming from. I mean, they're not disrespecting the anthem. They're still standing. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just not singing it. So I they're not personally the don't have a problem with it. They're not the first players to not sing the national anthem. Yeah. Like, this happens a lot. Um, uh, half the players in Origin don't sing it if you actually watch them. So, I, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, I don't think it's a big deal. And I don't think the anthem, I don't know. Like, to me, I did feel a little bit awkward beforehand. Like, I thought, oh, are they doing, are they doing the anthem? Is it appropriate? It doesn't need to be played at that game. I yeah. don't know if it suits... Being at that game, what it is, and I guess I think for me, like seeing, seeing how, and I guess this is why they're so upset, but seeing how our indigenous have been treated over hundreds of years, in direct comparison to how New Zealand have treated their indigenous, the Maoris, uh, very different. It really put that front and center in the spotlight. I understand. Um, happy f for the discussion. 
to be made, to be had between people that are smarter than us. But uh, look, I I don't think it um, took away from the spectacle overall. I think I think the main match. thing is that Laurie Daly was quoted saying that they didn't plan to not sing it. Yeah, it wasn't spoken about, so they haven't disrespected it, in my opinion. Well, let's move on from that, and I've got I guess one more point to wrap up um, the All Stars chat. But Preston Campbell, so the original All Star, the man behind the entire concept, uh, he came out during the week also and said he'd love to see a Pacifica All-Stars team taking part as well. Um, what do you think about this and do you think it fits? Look, maybe in a few years' time. I think for a little bit we just let this run. I think we finally found the right mixture. Like like we said last week, I've never actually watched this fixture until this year. Yeah, we, we all, I think all NRL fans cared this year. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed it. So why fix something that's not broken? I think let it go for a couple of years see how it goes. If the crowds aren't coming as much, then maybe we think about adding a Pacific team. But for now, I think it's good the way it is. Okay. I So I think we don't need a Pacifica team, um, and I'll tell you why. So for me, like, I understand the concept is similar, but it's it's actually slightly different. So the Indigenous and the Maori sides, they're cultures, whereas the Pacifica side is a combination of nations. Yep. Now, what I'd prefer to see is the Pacifica United side playing the Great Britain Lions because yeah. that's that's Makes where well, we've got some nations combined playing some nations combined and it could actually work well and it could it could give the Lions to uh, some answers, I suppose, that they're looking for at the moment. But, look, I've always loved the idea of a United Pacifica team. I just don't think this is where it needs to be. I think one game is enough. Yeah. I think the Indigenous versus the Maori side is perfect and I think it's going to be bigger and better each year. So, Jake, topic number two, mate, and I guess this is a topic which I had slated for Golden Points a few weeks ago, uh, but I held off because I wasn't sure I had all the facts right. Um, and over time, I've sort of built up some facts and it's grown. Um, and I actually feel that this could have implications for rugby league in Chile, uh, of all places. Um, so I need to premise this by saying that some of the things I'm about to talk about, uh, I haven't read these online. I haven't heard it on a podcast or any show. I actually haven't seen this anywhere. So this is, you know, I'm piecing this together. And for many of you, it'll be the first time you hear about anything like it, Jake. My first I know it will time. be your I first time I as well. I haven't really seen anything on Chile, really. So I guess I've had several conversations with parties involved. And aside from some dodgy Spanish to English Google translations, <laughs> um, I believe I have enough facts to discuss this with our listeners uh, and with yourself, Jake. So where do I begin? All right, so I guess the first thing to mention is the original Golden Point topic was going to be this match that was played on Saturday, February 9 uh, in Buenos Aires, which was uh, an Argentinian, the Argentinian national side, played Antofagasta, which was a side from northern Chile, uh, and Argentina won that game 82-6. to six. Pretty convincing. Very convincing. <laughs> and it was a big deal because it was the first game on Argent- oh, the first national team game on Argentinian soil um, since the Australian police toured over there in 2005. So for Argentine- Argentinian Rugby League, a massive deal. So let me take a step back. Um, and this match, or this match, I-, I first found out that this match was taking place. Uh, it was originally reported on the Asia-Pacific Rugby League website. Uh, and they said that the Nomads onto Fogasta, uh, which is a team in Northern Chile, a club in the Northern Chilean Rugby League, uh, we're going to send a team to play Argentina uh, in in February. Um, so I 
commented on that post, which I saw on Facebook, said congratulations, um, and please send some results our way because we'd love to talk about it on the podcast. I'm yeah, looking for more golden point info. Well, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for golden <laughs> point info, <Jake>. So <laughs> I later received a message, a, a private message, from a gentleman named Javier Contreras. Um, now, this guy said he was part of the Chilean Rugby League. Um, and digging a little bit deeper, I believe he has played uh, in a Chilean domestic comp, may have played for Colombia as well. I'm not 100% sure on those details. But he says that the story which was posted on the Asia-Pacific Rugby League website was incorrect, that the Nomads side had pulled out, and instead he had organised a team of uh, rugby league and rugby union players from the region of Antofagasta who would take their place against Argentina in February. Um, Before you go any further, yep, Carlos, yep. do you want to just break down, like, in terms of the rugby league Chile side, yeah. where does Javier fit in or who's well, that, running who's okay. running what for Chile? Yeah. So this is where it gets – that's a good question and this is where it kind of gets a bit confusing. Um, so let me – I'll try and break that down before I move forward. So basically you've got the Football R13 Chile, which is a RLIF-sanctioned organisation. Uh, they run the domestic competition over there and they run the national team as well. So, so they'd be considered the official – Hundred percent. They're the commission, the official administration for Chile. They're the guys behind um, the Chilean team that represented at the America's Cup in the World Cup qualifiers, which we spoke about uh, very early very on early in the on. piece, yep. uh, probably episode three or four of the podcast. So those guys are running the game, or they're meant to be running the game over there. Um, you've got the Antofagasta Nomads. So they're a club in the northern Chilean competition, and they're part of that sort of structure, the football in Chile structure. Yep. Now, rugby league's very young in Chile. You know, we've only been around for about three years. So rugby has much deeper roots. And in that northern region, it's the Rugby Association Antofagasta, which runs rugby union. Okay. Um, now, obviously, as in many nations, there are some boundaries between rugby league and rugby union. We don't typically like each other um, and we don't let each other play. Don't and help each other out. We don't help each other out too much. So this is where Javier has stepped in. So he's registering the Antofagasta Rugby Chile Federation and his goal is to alleviate some boundaries between rugby league and rugby union. Um, look, so, look, all the more power to him, I guess, and he's a very passionate guy. Um, Do you think that's the right move there? Look, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I guess this takes us to the game at this point. Yep. So Argentina win that game convincingly. Um and afterwards, Javier contacts me again uh, to let me know the results and tell me a little bit about the game, who played well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, look, lovely guy. Um, he did say that after the game in Argentina that he was planning a tournament in Antofagasta with three rugby league teams and three rugby union teams from Chile and Argentina. Um, essentially, it would be two tournaments in one. So it's a, a marriage of rugby league and rugby union in a way, yep. as far as I could understand. So I started to get a little bit concerned because I'm like, okay, who is this guy? Does he have anything to do with Chilean rugby league? Mm -hmm. Really? Is there any credibility behind these stories? Um, so I contacted the guys at the Footballer 13 Chile yep. to see if there was any any credibility behind this story. They said that none of their players were involved or none of their domestic players were involved in this game against Argentina or have anything to do with Javier's setup. Yeah, uh, he basically said they were all free free agents. Um, I believe some of them were Colombian players as well. Um, 
Now, so they weren't part of the Chile domestic competition. They're not. They're not. And the guys over there were pretty frustrated. They're saying that this group, and look, again, I'm Google translating from Spanish to English, but they said the group seemed to want to do things their way, and this is Javier's group, uh, and they're not following the international rules of the game, uh, which to me sort of says that, you know, they're stepping on the footballer 13's toes as the official RLIF-affiliated administration, uh, and they're wanting to, to do things their own way. Um, to me, like, sort of raised a few concerns, you know, because uh, obviously very young days for rugby league in Chile, and you don't want to see this sort Dramas of this happy, sort of drama happening or this sort of schism. Um, it seems to be a trend in developing rugby league nations where I guess an individual or rebel group will disagree with the existing administration and want to do things their way. Um, I guess my takeaways from this whole thing, uh, I just want to put some light on it. I guess that's why I'm mentioning it. Um, I think it's great for Argentina that they got to play a match on home soil. It's very rare. And I know recently this week uh, they put out an invitation for more opp opposition to come and play them. I saw that on um, Rugby League Coach on, well, their, on, their Instagram, on their Instagram page. Yeah, definitely a positive. Um, but I guess what I hope from this um, is that the RLIF can understand and start to investigate and hopefully they can step in because it would be a shame if the Footballer 13 Chile's efforts were compromised because of this. Um, yeah. In saying that, Javier is obviously very passionate um, and trying to build up some things based on his own ideas. Uh, there's not necessarily a lot wrong with that, but I would much prefer to see all parties cooperating to try and build our beautiful sport uh, over there in Chile and other parts of South America. Was there anything mentioned as to why Javier doesn't work with the football 13? From what I could re like, from what I could understand and reading between the lines, I believe he tried to, um, but they didn't see eye to eye. He, he, I guess, wanted to involve the rugby union guys a little bit more, um, and that's obviously not on um, from a rugby league perspective yep. as far as I'm concerned. Um, so this is where the sort of little schism has taken part. Hopefully, ho look, hopefully we don't see too much more or hear too much more about it, I suppose, But and things can, can continue to build and grow. But um, I, I just think this could be potentially big. And that's definitely interesting to hear about. Yeah, very it's, interesting. It's and not something you would find... Well, popping up on your Instagram or Facebook feed. I just hope we've been able to shed some light on the issue and, yeah, hopefully the RLF can, RLIF can um, step in and do what needs to be done. All right, Carbs, third topic. Let's talk some positive footy stuff again. Yeah. World Club Challenge. Did you get up and watch it? Yeah, what a game. I got up, watched it. My son woke up. I fed him, get, get his, uh, did the early morning feed. He's only five months old, guys, so... <laughs> Still feeding him. I missed the first <laughs> half, but I was lucky enough to watch the second, and then I got home later that day and rewatched. You rewatched it good because yeah. you know I wouldn't let you on the podcast. <laughs> if you didn't actually watch. <laughs> you didn't actually watch the game, but guys, the Roosters are the champions of the world. Uh, we know it. Uh, we've all watched it. American uh, has it. The American Billboard guys they <laughs> predicted it. Uh, you know, but <laughs> the Roosters won twenty to eight at DW Stadium on Monday Monday morning Australian time over in Wigan. Jake, uh, look, what are your big, big takes from this one? Well, that now makes Roosters equal most successful club in World Club Challenge. They equal Wigan now with four wins each. Four wins apiece, that's right. And a fun fact, actually, Roosters are actually undefeated in all their World Club Challenge matches, so they've oh, never lost one. Another fun fact. Another fun fact. Brett Morris, uh, only player in history to win Man of the Match twice. Twice, He yes. won for the Dragons. And apparently I heard Trent Robinson say that all five tries he scored in World Club Challenge have been in that corner. In that same in corner? In that same corner. I watched an interview with Trent Robinson, and that's what he was quoted saying. 
That is his golden court. I should build a statue. <laughs> yeah, good Morris. Morris. Mate, he is still the better Morris. Yeah, in he, my opinion, he is. He's always been a better try scorer anyway. We'll but give him that. But isn't he looking bigger and stronger? stronger. Like, but he's still got the speed. Like for, I think he's thirty-two now. He looked really good in the centres. I know he's not going to keep the centre spot. You've obviously got Latrell to come back. Well, where's he? Pl- where's he fit into this Roosters side? Well, do you put him on the right wing where he's not used to playing? But then if you put him on the left, you're breaking up the Tupu and Latrell Mitchell combination from last year. So. I think you put him next to Latrell and he scores 30 tries right. this year. Like, <laughs> he will absolutely kill it. But speaking of players that killed it, I think um, Luke Keery, mate, like, yeah, he's, he's got to play Origin this year. He's definitely a bolter. I mean, the, if Freddie picks his team on form like he said he will, yeah. I think Keery's definitely going to be in the conversation. Any any good players on the Wigan side? From I like Lachlan. He just works hard. He's just one of them old lock forwards that just... He made 48 tackles. Yeah, still got it as well. Yeah, so he played 78 minutes, and that's a solid effort for... I know they're three rounds in, but like that's a very good effort. I think Jake Friend for the Roosters, 50 tackles in his first game Mm. of the year, like Mm. playing hooker. That's that's very impressive. Where's the fitness? I reckon George Williams for Wigan. For Wigan, he was a real standout for me. I think the only issue for him would be some of his finishing touches. So some some of his decisions... Uh, on the last tackle. So I think there was one occasion where he decided to run instead of kick, which I think was probably the wrong decision in hindsight. There was another another little kick, uh, which he could have kicked, had an attacking kick about 20 or 30 metres out, but he, he rolled it over the sideline. Whereas if you look on the other side of the field, you had Kiri and Kronk, just every kick was an attacking kick, yeah. putting pressure on, on the back three for Wigan. So I think um, some improvement there for George Williams. But, man, his running game, his, his pass selection – and his defence as well was really strong. That first try that they scored was all him. He sucked the defenders in, took it to the line, and and, and passed that ball exactly at the right time. Um, I think we'll see him in the NRL sooner rather than later. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully he suits a style of play. For me, like, I don't know, what do you think of the game itself? Like, for me, the Roosters never had to get out of second gear. Yeah, they were comfortable all game. They got that early lead, and that's what the Roosters do. They just they get an early lead. They go out in front and they cruise for the rest of the game. They were never really in trouble. I mean, Wigan looked good coming out in the second half. They started the first 15 minutes, yep. started throwing the ball around a bit more, playing their natural game. They looked good, but I don't think they ever threatened the Roosters. I, I feel like these English sides are just in awe of the Australian sides. It's and a they, bit they, like that. But they don't have to be, man. When Wigan came out and started playing that free-flowing Super League style of, of football in the second half, they, they, they had the Roosters worried. And well, there was a point there where the Roosters actually took a penalty goal, and I yeah. remember the commentators saying that that's proof that they're under yeah. a bit of pressure, and it's true. It, it may have come down to match fitness as well. So Wigan, obviously, two games into the Super League season, and the Roosters are still in, in trial stages. But, look, I think if Wigan came out, I think English sides, they tend to try and play NRL styles of games against the NRL teams Which is early on. Style. They're not going to win games like that. No. If, if Wigan came out and just played that really exciting brand of football that we saw in the second half, which Wigan fans will, will be hoping to see more of this year, then then I think, I think you know, they, it, it could have been a closer game. It, yep. been, could it was a good quality game, though, I will say that. It was fantastic, man. And what do you think will happen moving forward? So how do you think the Roosters go this year after that performance in the NRL? It's a big call to say they'll go back-to-back, but I think if you look at a squad and the way they played and coach, if you look at the club as a whole, I think if anyone's got a good chance of doing it, it's probably them, as much as it kills me to say. What about Wigan? Wigan, they look, they'll be strong in the Super League. They always are. My tip's Warrington, so I'm going <laughs> to stick with Warrington. You keep saying that, and judging by how your tips are going, I'm not going to argue with you, <laughs> even if I think it'll be St. Helens. But, um, <laughs> mate, I, I have to say as well, 
um, the vanity of the Roosters to not send uh, an experienced goal kicker over there. <laughs> Did you see Tedesco's? <laughs> I wish I didn't. Uh, that was not. Tedesco's one of my favourite players. Great but player, he but he's not a goal kicker. He should never be. That's why, as a young Italian-Australian, he played rugby league instead of soccer. <laughs> he um he should never be kicking a ball again. But he had an excellent game as well, man. The other one I want to mention is um Jared Warrior Hargraves, mate, with that double penalty. Double penalty. I've never seen anything like it. He, t- he took out a player late. And, and it was late. It was very late. <laughs> then he got up off the ground and then performed a flop on a player that had just been tackled. <laughs> I've never like the referee even said, he goes, Jared, that's a penalty for that over there. That could have been a penalty too. I've I've never seen anything. Like it was it. good to see. I got like I know it was a penalty, and I know it's fair play, but it was good to see like footy's back. And... Mate, they should have given him two penalties. <laughs> they should have given him two kicks at the sideline. But anyway, that was fantastic, mate. I think I think we can agree that the World Club Challenge was fantastic, um, and a lot of that is due to the lead up by the Roosters and just how serious that they took this. Um, what do you think about that? Mate, I think overall, Trent Robinson deserves a big pat on the back. I, I didn't, really, yeah. didn't really look much into him or know too much about him before this, this World Club Challenge, but I think he's really announced himself. I watched a few video clips on NRL.com and just the way he talks and the things he talks about, he's just great for the game, I think. You can see that this whole build-up has been because of him, his experiences in French Rugby League as well and over in the Super League. He's a true expansionist, which we applaud. Um, and he's that he's really instilled that in his team and in the club. Like, i got to say, like, growing up, like, I've been sort of taught to, to hate the Roosters in a very, in a very sort of uh, diplomatic and sportsman-like <laughs> way. But... My respect for them after this last couple of weeks and how they've how they've performed off the field um, is is sky high. Um, I still hate them, but I do. <laughs> but I respect them, man. Trent Robinson came out and he said, "Look, this this concept is important for the future of rugby league. That we need a twenty year plan." And uh, before that, Robert Elston, so the Super League boss, uh, he said that he wants this concept to grow as well. And in fact, he wants to see it played two weeks after the grand finals. Um, and he wants to see it taken to places like the USA and the Middle East. Do you agree with that move? Or? Um, I think it would be interesting to see it moving to after the grand final. I don't know if that'll happen. I think I said that last week, but that's kind of the place it needs to be if they want it to be, I guess, the pinnacle of club, club yep. rugby league. As for taking it to the USA and Middle East, I understand where Robert Elston's coming from. Like He wants to shop the game around and expand the brands of the NRL and the Super League worldwide, which fantastic. I think that's a great idea but I kind of would prefer to see it happen a little more slowly. And I, I like I like the idea of having a set city, so kind of like uh, the NFL do with um, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl yeah. so they know where it's going to be. But I'd prefer if they said, okay, uh, twenty, t- the 2020 World Club Challenge is going to be in London and then the following year it's going to be in Perth and yeah. then the following year will be in Paris. And, and- gives everyone a bit of time to plan and like, because that's what Robinson was saying about his 20-year plan. He finds that... At the end of the year, teams are um, talking to two clubs are talking to each other. It's not a matter of whether they're going to do it, but it's sorting everything out. And I think that's why Robinson was saying he wanted the plan. He knows the clubs here are keen to play it. He just thinks the organising needs to be a bit better. They need to be more organised. And I guess if they do plan on playing it two weeks after the grand finals, if you already know a year in advance where it's going to be, then it's not this mad rush of, of tickets yeah, exactly. needing to be sold in two weeks based on whoever has won won the tournament. Uh, the other thing for me is I guess it would be a good opportunity to take a bigger picture approach to this thing as well. So if you get the best minds in the NRL and the best minds in Super League together, 
not only are you planning where the World Club Challenge uh, is and when it is, but they can sort of start to align their seasons more. Like I really think NRL and Super League should start at the same time of year, should end at the same time of year, yeah. Um, and they should be looking at some international windows, um, whether like it's gaps. or whether it's mm-hmm. a solid four or five weeks in the middle of the season where they can play Origin and Test matches and things like yeah. that, or if it's like a week here and there. And uh, look, there, like I said before. There are people smarter than us who can make these decisions, but I think it's a good opportunity. Um, just one last thing I do want to say before we wrap things up, Jake. Um, the Roosters, mate, they've won everything. So they've got – they're now the world champions. They won the NRL grand final. They're the NRL minor premiers. Yeah. They won the Auckland Nines, the final version of the Auckland Nines. So yep. they're, they're forever the champions of that. Yeah. Uh, their women's team were runners-up in the NRLW. Um, but, mate, they can't win everything because uh, – that Anzac Day trophy, St. George of Laura Dragons, out, baby. Huh? So, out. Roosters, you may think you have it all, but uh, the Dragons still have that one trophy. <laughs> and I don't think that'll change this year. Oh, I hope not, because we <laughs> need to win something. <laughs> well, Jakey, uh, it's time for Golden Points again. Your favourite section. I'll I say it every week. I think it's your favourite <laughs> section too, mate. You, I know you love it. But, <laughs> mate, um, normally the Golden Points, uh, we look, there's a lot to talk about in the world of International Rugby League from week to week. Uh, and we like to keep it to three three topics, but the golden points is an opportunity to just find some some more to talk about. And I guess I guess they're more topics that, or they're they're almost topics. Like they're not enough for not us to talk for to seven talk. or eight minutes, mm-hmm. but uh, it is definitely worth a mention. Normally it's me rambling on uh, for uh, for a little while, but <laughs> I want to change it up a little bit this week, Jake. So I've put out a challenge to you, and I want to go one for one. One for one. So we go one for one golden points just to wrap this show up until one of us runs out of golden points. What do you reckon? I think it sounds good. I think it's going to be quite embarrassing for you if you lose that. Uh, look, I'm pretty confident just looking over <laughs> at your notes. I think I've got you on this one. Uh, why do you not? want me to kick us off? Mate, uh, if you want. I'll start us off. What do you got? All right, so the first one I have is Toulouse getting off the mark with their first win of the season. They beat the Rockdale Hornets 42-12. to 12. Massive win for Toulouse. Quite convincing win. Good on and them for getting off see. the ground. Yeah, good on them for getting off to that start. Um, big thing for Toulouse as well. So... They've just announced that their match against Toronto, they're going to be taking it to a 19,000-seater stadium. Uh, it's actually the Rugby Union um, to start to Lausanne Stadium as well. So not tr- they, they probably think they can sell some more tickets That's to the awesome. Wolfpack game. What's the capacity? 19,000-seater. Imagine getting it so that. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I heard uh, that the reason that they're moving it is not because they're anticipating a bigger crowd, but because their stadium is currently being refurbished. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> but, look, still a good thing. Still and, look, if thing. they got, like, if they got ten or 12,000 there, like, that's that would be, success. like, Super League level. Yeah. So I think that would be fantastic. So, okay, Jake, that's a good one. A golden point for me. So, well, let's um, let's talk New York City. Yeah, we've all been waiting for this announcement. So, look, well, it's not an announcement yet. And we really thought that there would be one this this week. We, we thought it would be one of our major topics for the show. But once again, it's crickets. Nothing has been announced. Um, now, I heard on the full 80 Minutes podcast, so I love listening to those guys every Monday, Australian time. But they're saying that we won't expect an announcement until March. 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 So still a few weeks away. And their thoughts are that, the championship and League One clubs are unlikely to vote in favour of a New York City bid, which is terrible news. Terrible. I saw Steve Mascord tweet on this today as well, and he said that uh, the clubs he's spoken to uh, cannot confirm that. Yeah. Um, so, look, not sure which way it will go, but you would think that the white noise on this issue lately uh, would mean 
that it's not going to be in favour of New York, unfortunately. My fingers, my toes, every part of me is still crossed because I think I think we want it there. But the the, the interesting nugget that came out of that full 80 minutes uh, podcast as well was they said that potentially the reason why it could be a no is because another club may have been given a green light already. Really? Um, not sure who that would be, but they sort of hinted you know, at the Liverpool club and or a club from, say, Boston uh, in America or Hamilton in Canada, uh, both of those both of those cities linked with Eric Perez, who, of course, was one of the founders of the Toronto Wolfpack. Um, no offence to any of them teams, but I'd really love to see New York. I'd love to see New York. If one of those other teams happens as well, look, that Still would be exciting. good news. Let's have them all. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that'll happen. But, look, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. Um, let's just hope it's a positive announcement in March. Fingers crossed. What else have you got? I've got the West Fiji Dolphins adjoining 14 other teams in the Vodafone Cup. Mate, the local Fijian Domestic Cup. Yes. Fantastic stuff. Mate, that's 15 teams in Fiji, and you think that would be an excellent base should a New South Wales Cup Fijian side Definitely. It's got to be comp. only positive things coming out of there. Well, okay, good. You've given me a golden point. Do you know who the current champions are? Carbs, you stumbled. <laughs> You're going into too much detail. Mate, it's the, the Ravaravo Rabbitohs. They yep. beat the Police Sharks 16 to 14. I probably pronounced that incorrectly, but as you know... You're going to take a leaf out that's of Charlie's book. That's what we do. No, I'm going to name the side, man. We're going to name the whole side. But yeah, round one actually happened uh, over the weekend and one of the upsets of round one. So the Army Bears, 16. They beat the Police Sharks last year's grand finalist, 10. So yeah, Fiji Rugby League is back. And uh, let's see how the Dolphins go in their first season. Mate, uh, let's talk about the Wolfpack. Wolfpack, everyone so loves Wolfpack. Mate, Wolfpack, they beat Witness 30-6. to six. Which is uh, a bit of a surprise to me, too, if I'm honest. That's I, thought Witness, I thought Witness could take it out, or at least it was going to be close. You know, two undefeated sides, Wolfpack now undefeated, along with, I believe, uh, the Eagles, Sheffield, Sheffield Eagles, Eagles, the only Eagles, other yeah. undefeated side, which no one expected either, by the way. Um, I, I, I watched this game. Um, I've got to say thank you to Sharon Lil. So our friends over in Canada, probably the biggest uh, Canadian, uh, the biggest Toronto Wolfpack fans uh, that I know. Um, but I was, uh, I was away. I mentioned earlier my kids, mate. So the kids, <laughs> the kids awake me. You don't understand this yet, Jake, because you're, you're you're still a married man, no kids. But the kids both woke up at three o'clock in the morning, and uh, the wife and I were settling them down. And by the time we finally did, I couldn't get back to sleep. Jumped on Twitter, Cher and Lil. They live tweet, stream. tweeted out a live stream for people outside of Canada and, and the UK. That's great. Jump straight on, 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the Wolfpack were really impressive, man. Did anyone stand out? Look, in, look, I will say, look, a couple of players. There's um, been a lot of talk about Ricky Latelli. Yeah, Ricky Latelli, man. Like, you can't go past him. Like, he, he was good in the NRL. So he was always going to stand he out. He could still it. be good in the NRL. Yeah. He was a step above. Like, he's like, you know, remember under eights where there was that big, fast kid that just, like, did whatever he wanted? Yeah. That's Ricky Latelli. He's he he just absolutely smashed them. Um, I think Darcy Lassick played well as well up the middle. Uh, he came off the bench and played really well. Um, and the the halfback Ackers he scored two tries. Uh, but yeah, Latelli, you just can't go past Latelli. Um, speaking of the Wolfpack, man, there was some big news today that they're about to sign a top uh, rugby union international player. I did read this. What do you think? Who do you think? Oh, I don't know who to think, but I've seen Sonny Bill Williams' names <laughs> tossed up. That's a massive call. But, look, if it happens, great, good on them, because they will go straight onto the international stage if that happens. Well, I, it, I can't see it happening, but it, it, I understand where those rumours would be or why his name's being bandied about. So he's obviously 
com- coming out of contract at the end of the season. What Rugby Union World Cup will be done. Uh, look, I think he's more likely to retire than come back to rugby league. Uh, but I, you know, I understand why the name's being bandied about. I think it's going to be, or once it's announced, if it's announced, that it's more likely to be an English rugby union player. I just think that makes more sense, more sense. considering the audience that the Wolfpack are going for and the crowds that they want to be drawing um, when they're playing away. Um, I think that name, and a few people have mentioned this to me today, I think the name could be Ben Teo. Which is also a great signing. Well, mate, he's at the peak of his powers uh, in the NRL last year, or was it the year before? I think before? it was the year before. He was one of the most dominant forwards. One in the of the best second rowers. He's playing outside centre in England at the moment, um, and I think he would slot into that back row um, for the Wolfpack, and he'd take them to Super League. Um, look, I don't know if he's the man, but look, I, apart from... Ben Teo, Sonny Bill Williams and Israel Flau. I don't know any rugby union players. So <laughs> and I can't help you out. <laughs> that's as far as we're going to go with that one. <laughs> All right, so my next one yep. is regarding the RLIF. So they had a meeting last week. Yep. And they've let us know that we're expecting some announcements. Okay, cool. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about this. Hopefully we're talking about it more next week. But what, what are we expecting? So we're expecting to hear the Nines teams announced. Yep. The Oceania Cup dates and draw, hopefully. Yep. And more talk on your favourite two of the Great Britain Lions. <laughs> Hopefully they get a game. I'm really starting to, <laughs> like, I don't want that to be an absolute schmozzle. So it's it looks like something is happening there and there's going to be a positive announcement, which is fantastic. Uh, in regards to the nine teams, so we do know that invitations have been sent out to, to nations, 12 men's, four women's, um, and we'll find out who they are once those invitations are accepted. So interesting, interesting uh, I reckon that'll process. be a topic in a couple of weeks. We'll be talking about that, definitely. Mate, golden point uh, for me. So we spoke about the the Nigerian Rugby League domestic competition. So they announced their first team a couple of weeks ago, the Lagos Lions. Uh, they've announced team number two, the Joss Minor side. Uh, so two clubs in that Nigerian domestic competition. I believe there's going to be more announced in the following weeks. So looking forward to hearing more about uh, the growth of the game over there in Nigeria. Keep it up. My next one is based on my favourite domestic league, the Jamaican league. You love the Jamaicans. I love it. How the Pelicans go this week, Jake? Unfortunately, they've lost back-to-back games now. They were <sighs> beaten 18-6 by the Eagles, which is sad. They were undefeated a couple of I weeks ago. I don't mean to laugh, just because, you know, your tips are usually solid, but <laughs> the Pelicans, I don't know, mate. I don't know what's going on. Spartans still unbelie- undefeated, I believe. Yeah, they beat the Lions 28-26, so they remain unbeaten. Yep. And the Knights beat the Crocs 22-14. to 14. Close games over in Jamaica. They're up to around four. All competitive games, aren't yeah, they? Very, very many blowouts. So, mate, Golden Point, Malta, they won the Emerging Nations World Cup uh, in 2018, and they've called for expressions of interest for nations to tour and play them in Malta. That's great. So, very positive. I know we've got a lot of heritage-based players in Australia, but they're having training sessions over there in Malta. They want to get rugby league played over there. They want to get nations touring. I think it could be good for a side like Italy to pop over there yeah, and have a match perfect. or or something like that. But, look, we'll see what happens. Uh, and if anything does come up, then you'll be hearing about it here in our Golden Points. I've got one for all our lady fans. The ladies. Yep. Belinda Sleeman has oh, been in. Awesome. I heard this today. Yeah. yeah, she's been announced as the assistant referee for the Broncos and Wynnum trial. Yep. Which is great. Hopefully leads to maybe our first referee and our, our first women's referee in an NRL game. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. You'd have to think that if she's being named in a trial, then there's a chance. Uh, hopefully she's good enough. And, look, I'm sure if she's there, then she's She's obviously doing something, right? Doing something very right. Mate, um, this one was a, another feel-good story from earlier in the week. So 
described as groundbreaking. So the Learning Disability Super League was launched. I don't know if you've heard much about this. No, not at all. Um, but basically it's, it's, it says it in the title. Uh, so it's players with learning disabilities um, really putting a spotlight um, a spotlight on, on this. There are Super League clubs involved. So Wigan, St Helens, Hull KR, Salford, Wakeford, Leeds, Castleford, Huddersfield and Warrington will all have sides. Uh, from That's the Championship, great. Witness and York City Knights will have sides. And from League One, Newcastle Thunder will have sides. So 12 teams participating. It's going to be non-competitive. Uh, they're just playing, um, working on their skills and really focusing on inclusion, which I think, man, hats off to our game because mate, rugby league, it really is the people's game, whether it be uh, men, women, Indigenous, all nations, We've people all with disabilities, covered. people in wheelchairs. Um, rugby league is the people's game. And I think that is another area, apart from hackers and war cries, where we are well well ahead of the internet, like any other sport internationally. So well done to all involved there. Mate, what else you got? Mate, I'm actually out. You're out. I won. You're out. <laughs> if you've got one more, you beat me. Man, I got two more. I got two more. <laughs> there you go. Actually, I could go three. No, I'll go two. I, I might save. I was going to talk a bit of elite one in France, but maybe we'll save that for another time. Yeah. So two more. Uh, Colombia. I heard this today on the way home. So Colombia announced via their social media page that they'll be playing a test match against the India Jungle Cats. India Jungle Cats. I never <laughs> heard of that. <laughs> never heard of them until today. Either. It's an interesting name. Well, mate, look. I did read up afterwards, so established in 2018. Uh, they've got backing from the Queensland Rugby League. So these are got very similar to, I guess, the stories we hear about the Latin Heat and all the South American yep. and Central American teams. So coming from heritage players in Queensland and trying to build things up over there. Um, so they're going to be trying to build up an Indian heritage side, players from New Zealand, Australia, America, etc. And they want to compete in future emerging nations tournaments. And hopefully one day get rugby league played in India, which I think you know Massive. could be could be huge. Obviously, baby steps. Obviously, early days, but fantastic to hear. And uh, mate, the final golden point for me. Uh, you heard earlier on we spoke about um, a little special surprise at the end of this episode. Yep. Um, You're so finally let us well, know what it is. This is what it's going to be. So some some big games over in Greece uh, happened over the weekend. So we spoke about the Greek origin or the Greek city country game, which was Athens versus the rest. Uh, and there was also a big game in the Greek Domestic League where the first place Rhodes Knights played the Aris Eagles team, uh, first versus second. Um, I'm not going to tell you the scores because we've got a very special recording from the Aris and the Athens coach, Stuart McLennan. So he's put together a few minutes uh, of audio to tell us about the games and a little bit about what's happening about Greek Rugby League. So uh, we'll play. listen up after our after our. Um, I'll say credits after our theme song. Uh, keep listening and you'll hear from Stu and find out exactly what's happening in Greece. That's great. Great. Jake, uh, I did it, mate. I won the golden points. <laughs> but you're welcome to try and beat me next time. As always, we want to thank our, thank you guys for listening uh, to us talk about International Rugby League. We are overwhelmed by the response that we get on social media. So we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Uh, please follow us, please interact, please tell us what you like, what you want to hear about. Uh, if you're from an, uh, an international team or club side and want to tell us anything that you'd like to share, please reach out, let us know. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, guys, keep listening. And, uh, oh, Mascot Browns, we didn't speak about Mascot Browns. Mascotbrowns.com, uh, your place for International Rugby League gear. Uh, I've got, I'll have got. i put an affiliate link in our show notes, and uh, please please click on that and purchase your international gear. 
and uh, you'll be helping us out. You'll be helping them out. You'll be helping Mascot Browns out, big supporters of International Rugby League. So thanks for helping. Jake, anything else you want to say before we close the show and leave it to Stu McLennan to give us a Greek Rugby League update? I just want to say awesome episode, Cubs. Excited to be one of the best, mate. Can't wait to, li- to uh, edit it and listen to it. Uh, I love listening to our voices. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, guys. Fuck you, Nagati. Fuck you, Nagati. Hello and yasas kangaroothers. Apologies for my voice. I've been shouting all weekend, so it's a little bit hoarse. It's Stuart McLennan in Athens updating on what has been a huge weekend for rugby league in Greece. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this has been the most significant moment yet for our domestic league. We started on Friday night in Athens with what was billed as the Greek origin, or some said city versus country. The idea behind the game was to give domestic players the opportunity to push for national selection by playing against each other. The match has been recorded and will be sent to coaches Steve Georgialis and Jim Pisanius to analyse and make selection decisions. With a maximum of four heritage players set for the teams when Greece plays its next World Cup qualifying match against Norway in London at New River Stadium on May 18, there was plenty to play for with 13 spots up for grabs. The combined Athens team was split evenly between players from the Aris Eagles club, situated in the west of Athens, and the Attica Rhinos, who hail from the city south. The rest of Greece represented three clubs, reigning premiers and island club, the Rhodes Knights, the Patras Panthers from the Peloponnese, who joined the competition in 2017, and Larissa from northern Greece, who are in their debut season in the competition. Not surprisingly, Rhodes Knights dominated the selection in the rest of Greece's side. Unfortunately, the gods weren't kind on Friday night and the match was played in undesirable conditions, to say the least. A freezing cold temperature, strong wind and driving rain were not ideal for rugby league, but the players made up for it and produced an entertaining and very physical match highlighted by strong passion and heavy collisions. The Athens team combined team jumped to an early 6-0 lead but were guilty of pushing passes in the wet conditions and by half-time the rest of Greece team had replied with two tries of their own and were in front at 10-6. The second half saw plenty of try scoring opportunities for both sides. The experience of the rest of Greece team prevailed though with superior ball control and a good kicking game, they ran out 14-6 winners after adding a try in the second half. In a fixture such as this, the score is actually secondary to the opportunity for domestic players to be noticed by the national selectors, and importantly, it provides a chance for them to participate in a game played at a higher level and interact with players from other clubs. I, for one, am hoping we can make it an, this an annual event. So we move on to Saturday evening and the match-up between the first-placed Rhodes Knights and the second-placed RS Eagles. It was still cold, but the wind had died down and the rain had reduced to a drizzle. With the improved weather conditions, the play opened up a little more, resulting in a 33-22 win to Rhodes. The Knights again showed the experience and skill that has led them to be undefeated in the Greek rugby league competition since they entered in 2013. A pretty imposing record. To borrow some well-worn footy cliches, as a coach of both losing sides on the weekend, 
They were not the results we were looking for, but Greek Rugby League was the winner. Looking forward, we will continue our domestic comp- competition and that will culminate with a final in July, uh, June. sorry. At RS Eagles, we will prepare for our first match of the Balkan Super League against Dorschel in April. The Athens combined team have another fixture in the Greek ta- capital next month against an under-23s representative team called Heavy Woolen from the Dewsbury area of Northern England, and that'll give us a, a, a very interesting match-up. Of course, the big event in Gre- is Greece versus Norway in London in May. If the Blue and Whites can overcome Norway, they'll enter a pool situation with Italy and Russia, and perhaps they'll be one win away from the World Cup for the first time ever. Thank you for the opportunity to update your listeners on all th- things Greek rugby league, guys. Cheers and yassas.